Hi, everybody. This is Pete Worrell from Bigelow, and I'd like to welcome you to this episode of the Positive Enterprise Value Podcast. Ever notice that some private enterprises successfully transition through evolutions and revolutions in leadership, management, even ownership? Some end up with terrific new majority owners, the entrepreneur-owner managers moving gracefully into the next interesting and rewarding chapter of their lives, surrounded by friends, their positive legacy assured, and their independence powered by the fortune they've just realized, while others, well, others' outcomes can look more like a train wreck. Is it merely luck, or is it more than luck? At Bigelow, we think it's more than luck. We can learn from the experiences of our peers. So in this series of podcasts, I interview seasoned, successful entrepreneur owner managers who are high performers, maybe even peak performers in their niche domains. We look for patterns of connectedness across those domains and we publish these candid, one-on-one, unedited interviews with some of the most high-performing entrepreneurs from both the for-profit and not-for-profit sectors to learn from their experiences. So. As a private business owner, let me ask you, what's your best way of learning? Do you have to make every mistake or failure on your own as if you were the first one to ever encounter that challenge? Or can you learn from the experiences of others? Because if you can, that is a superpower which exponentially multiplies your learning, your achievement, and your positive legacy. Here, we hear the real life stories of other entrepreneurs which helps us to look in the mirror and see a little of ourselves in there. Let's listen and learn. In the next few sections of the Positive Enterprise Value podcast, we're going to try a little experiment. I'm going to do a handful of very short, rapid-fire interviews with entrepreneur-owner-managers about quarantine learnings. Why do this? Well, in the domains we work in, that is, in the entrepreneur economy, positive psychology, and behavioral finance. The future can't be predicted, right? It's not knowable, unlike, say, physics or astronomy, for instance. No one living has ever experienced a viral epidemic or a fear epidemic like the past 120 days. Each of us has had to modify our lives and the businesses we own really quickly in the past 120 days. I've been inspired and exhilarated by entrepreneur-owner-managers' grit in positive energy, in fact, their character, using this quarantine predicament to rethink or accelerate positive change in their approach to the marketplace and to enterprise value and positive legacy. Today, our quarantine questions rapid-fire interview is with Jennifer Borislow. Jen is the founder and CEO of Borislow Insurance, a health and benefits insurance and consulting firm. They serve firms across the country with more than 50 employees and have a value-added specialty in secondary schools. Jen and I spoke on Wednesday, June 24th. So, look, um, uh, I will have recorded a bit of an intro for this podcast so people will know who you are. Um, But... uh, Thank you, Jen, for agreeing to do this. I really appreciate your being so generous with your time and your thoughts. And, you know, uh, actually, you are part of the genesis for me thinking about doing this brief session series of very short podcasts. There's, I'm going to do like a handful. Uh, they're like 
you know, brief rapid fire questions and answers. I haven't done this before. And it was really about what are the learnings that we have coming out of this quarantine? And I was inspired by talking to you. And I was thinking about how entrepreneurs like you and Mark and others are so quick to adapt to changes, even, you know, changes that involve adversity like this one. Could you just like give us a paragraph or a sentence on like, what has happened with your business in terms of either revenues or what have you done about costs? I'm just trying to get like put a pin in the ground for where you are now compared to where you maybe thought you'd be. So let's let's reflect back on exactly what happened and what has transpired over the last 14 weeks. So on March 16th, we made the decision that we were going to be 100% closed and we were going to send all 65 employees 100% remote. And that happened for us as a flip of the switch, which we have been preparing for for the last four or five years. And that preparation really entailed moving our servers to the clouds, everything cloud-based, all of our software and technology was in the cloud. And we've been doing this as a part of a disaster recovery effort because we are in a pretty heavy snow belt, but when we have ice storms, we lose power and we have lost power for a couple of weeks at a time. And so our purpose was to prepare for a disaster for snow and ice. It was never meant to be a pandemic. But fortunately, our disaster recovery policy allowed us to to quickly move into a remote environment. And probably one of the biggest learnings for us after we've gone through this process was how easily everybody was able to transition. It was such an eerie day that day because I have a corner office with lots of windows to watch our team leave the building with monitors and laptops and some took their chairs because we told them take everything you need to be productive but we thought that was going to be our two or three week period never anticipating 14 weeks later we're not really fully back into our space so 14 weeks later are you uh in the past quarter have you seen a dramatic change in the business in revenue or have you done things about cost or was that necessary so we work primarily with employer groups whether it's schools nonprofits or for-profit employers and our focus immediately turned to helping them our our immediate focus was our employees and their families their health and well-being and then our secondary and our became our primary business focus was our clients. We became experts in layoffs and furloughs and reduction in force and what it meant. We had two big pieces of legislation, the CARES Act and the Family First Act, which complicated the clients' lives. And, and we were working 24-7 to make sure that they were able to successfully execute on whatever plan they had for their businesses. Our long-term clients had to lay off employees. There was a real big difference between furloughs and layoffs. And we had to really help them navigate those challenges because it impacted people's lives and their ability to have benefits. So our focus was definitely on our clients. And then we anticipated that based on the clients laying off and creating furloughs, what our revenues were going to be over a period of time. 
in our business, we get paid in arrears. So we do the work and then we get paid based on premium and number of lives, but we get paid 90 days later. So we have been forecasting what the impact, financial impact will be to our organization. And we know we'll be down. I mean, our two largest clients laid off 75% of their workforce. One was in the transportation industry and the others in the restaurant business. So both of those got hit really hard. So we anticipate that we will have a financial hit, but we were also off to a really good start this year. So that, along with the fact we were able to pick up a few new clients during this process because we built a reputation of being right on our game. We knew our stuff. We were viewed as a resource. So people came to us and that allowed us the opportunity to pick up a couple of great clients during covid Wow, that's a great story. So you, I was going to ask you how quickly you pivoted, but so you pivoted immediately, like on yes. March 15th. Yeah. And yep. so have you been um, pretty much working from home during those past uh, quarter? I have, and everybody has. We didn't even open the office till about two weeks ago. And the reason we chose to not open uh, during phase one was that uh, we, we, successfully were able to work remotely and it gave us more time to restructure some of the workstations in the office. We added extra glass for the cubicles, meeting the standards set forth by Massachusetts, uh, having the, th- uh, the, the thermometer mounted tied to the payroll system. So we made sure we did everything possible to make it a very comfortable and safe environment for our team to come back. So, so working from home and um, probably communicating with your team a lot, but more through digital tools than ever before, has the last few months of the quarantine affected how you, your relationship has been with your, with your family or your management team or your clients? One of the benefits to all of this for us is our communication. Uh, it has gotten much stronger, more frequent. It, it touches more of our team members. So we immediately went into our, our executive leadership team, which consists of five people, met every day at four o'clock. We did that for one hour every day for 12 weeks. We, we never communicated that much. Our expanded leadership team is once a week for an hour and our entire company is every two weeks we do a coffee chat, which we just finished this morning, every Wednesday morning. And it's it's open to anybody, but out of the 65 employees today, we have 54 that participated in the coffee chat. And then on Fridays, we do a TGIF. That's a, an email that goes out to the entire firm. So our communication cadence increased. And I think that has been one of the biggest benefits for us is that our focus, Mark and I, particularly on the team, talking to the team, we do reach outs, we talk to each person. We've also found opportunities to recognize the team, to uh, at least let them know we're thinking of them. We sent meals during COVID. Everybody had the opportunity to have dinner brought to their home. Uh, That was fun. Fun, yeah. We've sent out a couple of great books. We have participated in um, community efforts where we could. So it has been a great opportunity for us to connect. And we're 
highly sensitive to what our team members are feeling uh, during this time because a lot of them are wearing multiple hats. They're they're teaching. They became teachers of their own kids. They're taking care of elderly parents uh, and they're working and in quarantine. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I'm resonating with what you're talking about. Uh, you, it sounds like you really applied a lot of structure to communications, which was previously probably informal and unstructured. You know, you see people at the copy maker or whatever. But I really uh, love the way you describe that. I know in our firm, we uh, began to have twice a week firm-wide WebExes. And after, I, I forget, let's say four of those, I said to the group on one Friday morning, sort of casually, I just sort of assumed everyone would agree with this. I said, okay, I think we're ready now after four weeks. We can go now to once a week WebExes. And the group said, no, no, we don't want to do that. We like to have it twice a week. So very, uh, very curious, very interesting. So are there some of those things that you've done which you feel like are positive to the firm and to the uh, team members such that you'll continue doing them differently in the future than you had before the quarantine? Definitely. I think the all firm coffee chats, we will continue because it is a way for them to see Mark and I uh, more frequently. We are very present in the office, but we also both travel quite a bit. And this quarantine period and through now through the end of the year, we probably canceled nine or 10 trips, whether business or conferences or even just personal travel that is not happening this year. So now that we know that our communication has such a powerful impact, it will certainly uh, remind us the importance of continuing with it. Do you think you'll use a digital tool? Like, will you continue like the digitally uh, once a week coffee chat? Absolutely. So it's every weeks. And the reason we will is that we have locations in New Hampshire. We have remote employees in Florida and Connecticut and in situate. So for us, the, the technology to visually see each other probably is very impactful. And we're going to continue with it. So you're you and Mark, and I'm thinking about you particularly. You're you're both lifelong learners. You're out there. You're turned on by finding uh, new information, new domains, connecting patterns across domains, and a lot of that you've done. You've done really in person, right? You've really spent a lot of time with your clients and prospective clients, and maybe even working with them before they became clients. How are you? Um, how are you accommodating that now since you're not with them physically? So staying in touch with clients is critically important for us because we're in a relationship business. So that is what drives us, the impact and the ability to be a part of their decision process for benefits for their employees. It's what drives us. We're passionate about the work we do. And what we find is you have to be creative in how you connect. So sometimes it's a text message. It's it's a Virtual cocktail, we've done that several times. I've personally done that. I'll reach out to a client and said, it's been a long week. You want to meet for uh, 30 minutes and share a glass of wine? Uh, we sent bottles of wine to clients and said, hey, let's you know meet for a glass of wine. So that's been fun. I think it takes some creativity to stay connected. It also takes paying attention, like what's going on in the client's life. If it's something as small, we've had clients have babies, we'll send a baby gift or 
new grandparent gift, just as a way to say, we're thinking of you. We have to be hugely proactive because our world and their world is changing so rapidly with all the legislation that has impacted the employers taking care of employees. It's weedy, it's intricate, it oftentimes involves our legal team to help them make decisions. They can't easily make a decision without looking at their ramifications of that decision. Like, am I going to lay off somebody? Am I going to furlough somebody? Uh, How does it intertwine with mass paid family medical leave? So our world has gotten very complicated and our goal is to simplify that for the clients. And in order for us to do that, we really need to understand what they're doing. You know, um, I, you know, my wife, Corrine, is a physician and she has been seeing patients through this whole thing. But a lot of patients, I think, stayed home for a while and now they're back in force in terms of seeing her. And she was commenting. I don't think she'd mind if I said this. She was commenting that, wow, there's lots of people who sort of didn't take care of themselves during this time. And, you know, for whatever reason, uh, their uh, health isn't as good after the quarantine that it was going in. But you, I'm looking at you and you look tan, fit and rested. So how has your self-care routine changed? Have you been thinking about your workouts and your nutrition and your sleep or what are you, what are you doing differently? So I was already working out a couple days a week uh, with our trainers. So we have an on-site fitness area, which clearly got closed down when we closed the office down. And what we did is we took our trainer and we had her do online training sessions for our team. So five days a week, twice a day, she does a 30-minute workout with anybody in our organization who's interested in participating. So I have done that every day. I participate in that. And then we have a Peloton uh, at the office that I brought home. And so that's been a lot of fun because we gave both our kids Pelotons. And so they have inspired me to try and keep up. Now, granted, they are far better than I am, but that little competitiveness has been, (laughs) and I never had that kind of time before, right? So um, I make that time in the morning before I start. But the one thing that has been really fun for me is that um, I'm a golfer. I love to play, but when I travel as much as I do, I don't usually get to play this much in the summer. So Mark and I have a standing tea time uh, every week and we invite two clients to join us if they want to because golf is one thing you can do socially distance sure we were we've been playing since they opened the golf courses we started playing in Connecticut first and then we can move to Massachusetts and that's been really fun for oh, me great that's and great it's helped me improve my game so I'm pretty worried about it do you think I mean you're in a business where you're your team uh, has digital tools, and to some degree, they can work easily distributed. Uh, again, a little bit like our business, we're in the cloud. Our team had the tools. Do you think when the bell rings and things go back to normal, whatever that means, do you think that that will continue to stick in some way or some part of that? I do. I think we are going to have a hybrid workforce as we move forward. Some people will continue to work remote because of their concerns about their own personal health, being in a a larger space with a lot of people. And then I believe that there will be a good percentage of our team that will 
welcome the opportunity to be back in the office. Keeping in mind that many of our team are working parents, they are dealing with no childcare this summer, no camps this summer. So they're serving multiple roles. And some of our people, if they had the ability to put their kids in camp, would come to the office, but they're, they're really struggling with daycare. And we recognize that. So as long as the work is getting done, we're not enforcing when they work. Uh, interestingly enough, we've had a couple of our employees actually pick up and move to different locations in the country to be with family their kids and they're working remote from Atlanta or from Tampa, yeah. but they can do that. So as you think about your business model and you think about moving forward, has the virus and the quarantine caused you to change your views of the business model? In other words, I don't know what the answer is, but would you, are you thinking about allocating more attention or resources to one uh, end user market than another that you would have compared to in the past? Is there anything like that going on in your mind? One of the things that we are entertaining is expanding the services that we provide our clients. What we find is that for many of our clients, we become an extension of their HR department. And as they have trimmed down employees, we are finding they're leaning on us more heavily so that is an area that we hired an outside consultant to interview 12, 14 of our clients, one-on-one uh, -on -one session for an hour, and we're investigating adding an additional opportunity to impact our clients through this HR, maybe consulting practice. Would that look like outsourced HR? No, we're thinking about bringing it inside. No, I'm sorry. First, let's say we're a client. Would that be you? We would outsource our HR to you. Potentially outsource your HR or parts of it yeah. could be outsourced to us because what we are finding is that a lot of clients um, don't want to hire lawyers to do certain things that are required under the new CARES Act or the Family First Act or the Paid Family Medical Leave. They want they they want somebody who's can do it all in one place, like a one stop shop. The feedback has been tremendous because we selected clients that we feel could really be honest with us, like what they're willing to pay for versus what they expect to automatically happen based on what they're paying us now. So that for us has, we've, we've used this time to figure that out. Love that. Love that. So, you know, in a way, I know I'm looking at it from the outside in, so maybe it's not fair, but it looks to me like you've really flourished during this time. Like you've used the time really productively and you, you've really flourished. Are, is there anything that you discovered about yourself? Is there a talent or a skill that you discovered during the quarantine that you wish you had? Me personally? <laughs> Um, the technology is moving so quickly, right? So Zoom, I was a Zoom user, but I wasn't a Zoom aficionado. Now I am. Yeah. But then we switched to Microsoft Teams internally, and, and we use Smartsheet, and we use DeerWalk, and we use all sorts of analytic tools. And what I find is that for me personally, all the technology is overwhelming. And so as I'm leading the organization with Mark, 
I don't really have the bandwidth to learn all of the technologies. So I'm really grateful that I have great people around me. Um, and although I can't keep up with the ever-changing technology, we have lots of people who can. Yeah, I get I it. That answers your questions, but it really pointed out to me that it's hard for me to keep up with the team. Yeah, I get it. And during this time, many of the entrepreneurs I've spoken to have said a version of what you said in that maybe there were some things that were going to change in their business model or in their own skill level over the next making it up. One, one to three, three to five years. But the quarantine has forced that to happen much more quickly suddenly. Absolutely. One of the things that we really identified worked well for us is that back in the fall, we started putting together a leadership academy in our organization. Professional development is critically important for us. So we hired an outside consultant and we designed the program with her. And she has done a remarkable job. So we went through the interview process. We had each of our team members apply for the opportunity, selected 12. And all of that pretty much other than one meeting happened during COVID, right? It all went to virtual versus the one-on-ones, the group meetings. And that really was a tremendous surprise for us. The personal growth and the commitment of each of those individuals in the Leadership Academy, it couldn't have come at a better time, right? They had the dedicate to it. They really embraced it. And it was life-changing for several of the members of that, that group that we are repeating it and making the investment for the second level of what that looks like. So that that actually got even a bigger push of the time. Right. And right. It would have been great. Right. Wow. What fabulous uh, timing that was to be able to fill in that uh, right at that moment when people really needed it. So, so last question, uh, Jen, what, what's, do you have any uh, in advice or friendly insights for other entrepreneur owner managers who are listening to positive enterprise value about what you've learned during this quarantine? Any advice for me, it was to listen and to really understand what others might be going through. So to be an influential leader within your organization, you really need to understand what others are experiencing, not necessarily just at work, but in their home lives as well, because that has a huge impact on how they show up for work and how they show up with clients. So listening and communicating, staying in touch and communicating, because it's so easy for us to get caught in our own world that we don't think about what's happening in their world. So that probably is the one lesson that I think that we have really relied on listening and communicating well. Wow, that's a killer answer. Uh, that communication isn't just communication out, but it's listening first. Yeah. Great. For us, it certainly is that way. Jen, thank you. Thank you for spending time with me this morning. Great to see you. It's been a pleasure. As always, you're a great friend and a mentor to us. We can't say enough good things about everyone at Bigelow. Thank you, Jen. Say hi to everybody for me. Will do. You have a great day. See you soon. Bye.
I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. We believe that entrepreneur owner managers are the most powerful pro-social and pro-economic force on the planet. And it's for that reason that we dedicate our firm Bigelow to working exclusively with them. At Positive Enterprise Value, we freely share our learning so that you can absorb from the experiences of other private business owners with skin in the game, just like you. Bigelow is widely regarded as the M&A advisor that deals exclusively with high-performing entrepreneur owner managers. Our scrappy independent boutique firm only offers one service, that is to help build and someday capture enterprise value. You can find all of the episodes on this podcast on Bigelow's website, which is bigelowllc.com.